0: I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. Republicans and Democrats are fighting for control of Congress this upcoming midterm election. The stakes for that political battleground are huge. But conservatives are also eyeing other races, ones that are much smaller and sleepier local school boards. Right leaning groups and donors have been pouring millions of dollars into school board candidates across the country, and their efforts have been successful. Since last year, Dozens of school districts have gained conservative majorities across the country. That national movement is happening here in California. The state's Republican Party launched a program called Parent Revolt, which is focused on recruiting and supporting conservative candidates to run in local education positions. Today on Fifth Admission, Chronicle reporters Joshua Sharp and Sophia Bolag are here to explore the question... Has the right-wing movement to flip school boards landed in the Bay Area? They spent some time in Contra Costa County to find out. They'll share the political strategies taking place in two school districts, the outside money that's been injected into the races, and how the local parent community is reacting to the potential conservative takeover of their school boards. Joshua, Sophia, great to have you here. Sophia, let's start with you. Why would right-wing groups have a vested interest in small local school board races.
1: Yeah, this is a trend we're really seeing across the state. Conservatives, particularly since the pandemic, really galvanized a lot of interest among parents, particularly opposition to a lot of Restrictions during the pandemic, like requirements that students wear masks, school closures also generated a lot of controversy. Conservative groups have really seized on that and decided that school board races are a place where they could really win elections and help galvanize voters who care a lot about local education issues to go to the polls. And part of the thinking is that that might help In other races, on other parts of the ballot, if, you know, you can really bring voters in at the sort of grassroots, very local level, that they might vote for other candidates up the ticket.
0: And some of these issues or values that you're discussing, it's not just about education, right? I mean, we're also talking about issues affecting students, like what they're taught in the classroom or issues around the transgender identity that, it's also about
1: that, right? Yeah, absolutely. I spoke with an education policy expert at UCLA about this, and he said that pandemic restrictions and issues related to the pandemic have been a good entry point. A lot of more conservative school board candidates have also seized on other, he described them as sort of more culture war type issues. So concern about critical race theory, teaching about things like white privilege, Issues around LGBTQ people and, you know, allowing students to express their identity. I've, you know, been looking at a lot of school board candidates' platforms recently, and some of them, you know, explicitly say that displaying a pride flag at school is something they have a real problem with. And so that's certainly part of the movement. Hmm.
0: So, Joshua, you've been following how this sort of movement has been playing out in the Bay Area. What kind of campaign strategies are being employed by candidates that might be more conservative?
2: So we focus primarily on two different slates. One is for the Akalani School Board, which governs four high schools. The other is for the Lafayette School Board, which governs K-8 through schools. And the way that they are campaigning is they have teamed up into trios. There's a trio running for each board. They've teamed up so much so that they have the same treasurer, they have the same finances, they have the same yard signs even with all of their names plastered on it. This is for both races. And these groups say that they're concerned about the way the school districts handled COVID-19 closures the Alkalani's trio on their website makes a hint to teachers pushing quote political ideology in classrooms beyond COVID. They aren't really leveling that many conservative talking points during the campaigning. They've been, some have said cagey with, with how they feel. And that has led many parents in the area to tell us that they're concerned that they are part of this larger movement. Now, these two trios, those of them who would respond to request for comment, they say they're falsely accused. They say we're not part of any larger movement. We're just concerned parents who want to inject new voices and new points of view.
0: So, Sophia, Lafayette and Akalani's districts are in Contra Costa County. Do we have an idea of why this might be happening in that region?
1: That's something that I think is still a bit unclear. I talked to the education policy expert that I mentioned who really is studying races like this. Those tend to be happening in areas that either are much farther right-leaning, there's a lot more Republicans in those districts, or ones that are more evenly split. In this particular area of the East Bay, the La Miranda walnut Creek area, The partisan voter registration breakdown is very skewed toward the Democrats. It's a very affluent area. A lot of the schools are really highly rated. It's certainly an area where people care a lot about education. And I think part of the backlash you're seeing is because it is such a heavily Democratic area. As soon as there was sort of even a hint that these slates of candidates might be more conservative or supported by more conservative people, that became a real concern to a lot of parents who identify as more liberal, more progressive. And so I think that's why you're seeing so much controversy in this particular school district.
0: You're listening to Fifth Admission. You can support the newsroom that creates this podcast by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Now, Joshua, you took a closer look at the backgrounds of some of these candidates. They are pushing back on the narrative that they're part of this larger movement, but you've also learned that some of these candidates have direct connections to Trump. Tell me more about what's going on over there.
2: I and, and certainly the residents of the La Mirinda area figured this out, too, that one of the candidates in the Akalani's trio named Mark Woolway, he served on Trump's transition team as a part of the Treasury Department. He also was a early PayPal official, which apparently is his connection to David Sachs, conservative donor. Another of the Akalani's trio is Gabe Ledeen, Gabe Ledeen's mother is Barbara Ledeen, and she is friends with Jenny Thomas and Trump's former national security advisor, Michael Flynn.
0: Sophia, how much money is actually going into this sort of political strategy and how consequential is it for the fundraising of these races?
1: So the slate that Josh is talking about, the three candidates who are running for the Akalani's high school district, they have actually not raised a huge amount of money, at least not by local school board election standards. Last we checked, they had raised a little over $10,000. There's other similar races where the fundraising is more in the 20,000, 30,000 sort of range. There's also candidates who haven't raised anything at all. So it's, you know, it's not a shocking amount of money, but I think the donors, even though some of them haven't given very much money, really raised eyebrows in the community. Josh mentioned Ginny Thomas, Clarence Thomas's wife. She's a conservative activist. She only gave $250. That is not enough money to really swing this race or make a huge difference. But just the fact that someone as high profile as Ginny Thomas, who does not live in the district, had given money to this race that really concerned a lot of parents. And we heard from a lot of parents who were very disturbed by that. David Sachs, the donor that Josh mentioned, he's also from outside the district. He is based in San Francisco. If the name sounds familiar, it may be because you've heard about him giving a lot of money to the efforts to recall Gavin Newsom, Chesa Boudin, and members of the San Francisco School Board. So he's been a donor in a lot of other high-profile races and someone who you know has, has raised eyebrows in the community for giving to this race that is not in an area that he lives.
0: And Josh, you've been to some of these meetings at the school districts. Obviously, there's concern from parents about what this means for their students. How tense have things gotten? What are those conversations sounding and looking like now?
2: Well, there was one event for the Lafayette trio back on October 3rd. Three candidates who were running did not attend that forum. A lot of people were not happy about that. I spoke to several people who said that they were disturbed, that they did not come and let people know, you know, what's on their mind, what their ideas were, why they were running, this sort of thing. Now, one thing I should mention that, predated that was the leak of some controversial tweets by one of the Lafayette candidates. This man named Rob McSorley, a retired police officer, had posted on Twitter, and the campaign did not deny that these were his tweets. They even acknowledged that some of the tweets could be inflammatory, but the tweets were about things like how people should not wear masks, how trans athletes shouldn't be allowed to participate in sports against people who match their gender identity, that sort of thing screenshots went around like crazy. People got very interested in the race. And because these two campaigns are running in such a similar way, uh, such a unique way in slates with shared campaign signs and shared finances, people connected the two campaigns and began to see them as one sort of one unit coming to take over both the school boards. This tension really came to a head during forum for the Akalani's candidates. The trio did attend and it was very clear from the beginning that the audience had questions specifically for these candidates. They asked, why are you running together? To which they responded that they're busy people. They didn't want to reinvent the wheel. People wanted to know where they stood on diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging initiatives. The Akalani's trio candidates all said, actually, we're not here to tear down those programs. We want to make sure that they're working correctly, but we're not here to stop them. And even beyond the forums, the tension has been bowling over into public. On social media, there have been a lot of arguments between people, accusations flying from both sides. Even some of the candidates who were on the slates have said they felt attacked. So things have really gotten pretty heated.
0: Sophia, unless parents and concerned community members dug into all of this, it would be hard to know about the conservative political strategy taking place, right? That's sort of part of the issue, the opaqueness around all of this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would say that one really potentially positive Thing out of this story is that people are paying a huge amount of attention to this local school board race. Local school board races typically do not get very much coverage. It's unusual for newspapers to devote the kind of resources that we have even on this story to school board races just because they are so local, they're so small. And so absolutely, the, the fact that parents got really concerned about this means that a lot of parents are really engaged, it seems like, on both sides in this particular race. And that's absolutely, you know, something that that was generated by parents really looking into it and forming their own opinions about the candidates.
0: And Josh, have school districts responded to the tensions playing out in meetings? You know, what are they saying about all this?
2: No, there really hasn't been much said from the school districts. Even the other candidates who are running, it's it's difficult to get them to say much of anything about what's going on. You know, these are generally very very sleepy elections that people don't normally get in get themselves into fits over. But it has happened in this case, and it has really left the parents, the community members there in La Merinda to figure out for themselves what what is going on and uh, you know who to trust, who to vote for, who to put their confidence in. Joshua, Sophia,
0: thank you so much for your reporting and thanks for sharing it with me. I appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. Joshua Sharp covers criminal justice and Sophia Bolag covers California politics at The Chronicle. Their story about the potential conservative school board movement in the Bay Area is online at sfchronicle.com and on The Chronicle app. Thank you to Gary Baca for the edits and to you for listening.